father, a large man who was feared throughout Puerto Rico, was known as the Great One. His wife assisted in the work and bore him eighteen children, seventeen sons, and a lone daughter. The house on the hill became a favorite lodging place for mediums and spiritualists throughout the island. One of the children was especially affected by growing up in that house. He feared the sorcery practice there, and resented the lack of attention he felt as one among so many children. He got into trouble early and often. One day his father caught him stealing from his mother's purse. As punishment, the five-year-old was locked in a filthy little pigeon house. The boy tried frantically to escape, but only succeeded in exciting the birds who slammed into his little body as they flew around in the darkness. After his father released him, the boy cried hysterically for several hours. The ordeal caused him repeated nightmares. This son, out of all of the others, seemed marked for evil. When he was eight years old, his mother proclaimed that he was not her son, but a son of Satan, a child of the devil. When he yelled back in anger, I hate you, she merely laughed in his face. He was a cursed child in a house of curses. The boy grew quickly into an uncontrollable rebel. He tried running away from home on five occasions, and the hatred he felt for his parents turned into contempt for all authority. Unable to deal with their troubled son, his parents sent him to New York City at the age of fifteen. Upon arriving at the airport, he quickly disappeared into the streets for two days. Relatives there eventually enrolled him in school, but he was expelled after repeatedly threatening students, teachers, and the school's principal. Soon after that, he left his relative's home and took up living on the street in one of the toughest neighborhoods in the city. The young man's life continued to cycle downward. What else could happen to a kid who had been cursed by his own mother, abused by a father who was a satanic priest, and dedicated to the devil? Nicky Cruz soon became the warlord of a vicious street gang called the Mau Mau's. The smoldering rage inside of him found expression in violence, crime, and bloodshed. He was a twisted psychopath who frightened even his friends. A police psychiatrist told him after an evaluation that he was on a fast track to the electric chair. Then one day, God sent a street preacher who dared to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. Incredibly, the gang leader surrendered his life to Christ. The change was instantaneous. Instead of being full of tortured, self-destructive rage, the young man became filled with love and compassion for hopeless cases, kids like him who seemed bent on destroying themselves. Before long, Nicky began attending a Bible school in California, where he met his future wife. Later, Nicky returned to Puerto Rico and witnessed the conversion of his mother. Over time, the Lord opened doors all over the world for him to share his story and he became one of the greatest evangelists of his generation. Untold thousands of people have been led to Christ by this man, once dedicated to the devil. Today his four daughters and their husbands and children are all serving the Lord. The curse on Nicky Cruz was real, but God's blessing canceled the curse. Unlike Nicky, Carol and I had been believers since childhood, but we were still desperate for God's blessing. Our breakthrough began in that sticky, uncomfortable old church during a Tuesday night when a handful of believers were crying out in prayer. The Lord would indeed bless us beyond our wildest imagination, using us to reach out to thousands of broken people, drug addicts, drunks, homeless people, 
and criminals as well as many professional people who also desperately needed to experience God's blessing. Surprises were coming straight from God in heaven, and the surprises continue to this day. Blessing the People Although God has richly blessed us over the years in some dramatic ways, I'm convinced that the kinds of blessings we enjoy are intended for every church and every believer who earnestly prays for them. In the Bible, we see, first of all, that God's blessing is a reflection of His incredible love for His creation. While it's invisible in its essence, His blessing is invincible, overcoming everything that earth or hell can throw against it. This blessing is rooted in the ancient instructions God gave to Moses to be carried out by the high priest of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Number 6, 22 through 27. This practice of conferring a priestly blessing in the name of the Lord is what separated Israel from the people around them for all of the centuries of its history. Only God's covenant people enjoyed the divine blessing. A nation favored and protected by the Lord, they knew that God had promised to listen to their prayers and be attentive to their problems. The God of the universe had turned His face toward them so that they could receive His supernatural grace. What a privilege to live under the Lord's favor, to daily experience His blessing. What enemy could intimidate them when God was with them in power? The good news is that God is still a blessing God. In fact, the Bible could be characterized as a book revealing the Lord's intense desire to bless the men and women who belong to Him. If this surprises you, you have only to consider the fact that love always desires to bless the object of its affection. I'm reminded of this every Christmas Eve as our family gathers to celebrate. Whenever we get together, I'm not thinking about what gifts I might receive. Like most parents and grandparents, that's the last thing on my mind. Instead, I'm thinking about my children and grandchildren, watching as they open the gift-wrapped boxes Carol and I have prepared for them. My joy comes from giving, not from receiving. Ask yourself whom you most enjoy giving to. That will tell you whom you really love. Self-centered folks find their greatest delight in spending money on themselves. But when you love someone else, your heart is always going out to bless and to help them. This explains why the Hebrew word barak and its derivatives are used more than 330 times in the Old Testament. It's the word for bless or blessing. A word first mentioned in Genesis 1.22 regarding the creatures of the sea. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas. If God desired to bless crabs and tuna, just think of His interest in helping you and me, creatures who are made in His image. In fact, the very first words recorded after the Lord created Adam and Eve are these, God blessed them, Genesis 1.28. God's blessing was also the secret behind Noah's escape from the flood. Scripture tells us that God blessed Noah and his sons, Genesis 9.1. The divine blessing also enabled them to face the daunting task of leaving their ark of safety and starting over. God blessed them first of all by delivering them from judgment, and then by providing for them 
and making them fruitful as they built a new life together. Like Noah, what stands out about every man and woman God uses for His glory is that they have the special favor of heaven resting upon them. The best words any of us could ever hope to hear from God are the same ones He spoke to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, that is, something beyond yourself, and I will bless you. Genesis 12.2 There it is, in its simplest form. God wanted to change Abraham into a great nation, and He wants to change each of us into something more wonderful than what we are at present, showering us with His blessings. How could perfect love ever want anything less for those for whom He gave His Son as a sacrifice for sin? God doesn't just want us merely to enjoy a moderate amount of blessing. He wants to bless us abundantly. How else could the rest of His word to our father Abraham be fulfilled? And you will be a blessing. Genesis 12.2 Like Abraham, we bless others when God's favor overflows in our lives so much that it affects the world around us. When that happens, the Lord's name can be praised throughout the earth. But how can we bless others if we are barely eking out enough power to live our own spiritual lives? How can barren lives ever provide help for those who are searching for life and rest? One of the most important questions we face as Christians in the 21st century is the question of whether or not we are really living under the full blessing of God. Unlocking the Blessing According to Scripture, God's blessing can rest on both men and women, because with God there is no gender bias. His blessing can rest on a family, 